0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
2: And I'm your co host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian. Yes, sir.
1: It's a wet day today. It rained all day pretty much today here in Tallahassee.
2: Yes, it did.
1: You uh, know what? When I when I thought about the rain today and and I was thinking about people going after their dreams and their goals. Not only is it raining here, it's raining on a lot of people. And when I say it's raining on them, it's raining on them when they're chasing their dreams and their goals. And you have people, which we call the negative people, which that they are the rain. They're the ones bringing the rain and trying to do everything they can to make that person's life cloudy. Now before you went after your dreams and your goals The people, that they didn't bother you But it was like as soon as you started chasing your dreams As soon as you started moving They started stirring Have you ever been in a position where you thought You know what, if I would have listened to these people I wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing Or I wouldn't have been able to accomplish the goal That I set out for Have you ever had to deal with that Brian?
2: Oh absolutely, I think in life everyone has to deal with that to an extent you know but you know at, when i thought about the rain today i had a totally different taste okay you know i thought about the fact that we needed some rain around here you know we needed a little bit of rain because the flowers were starting to die my grass was trying to turn brown on me the little bit of grass that i have in my yard mm-hmm. you know and when when i relate that to you know, when you when you have those people that are raining in your life, you know, what I see them as, as being that water that replenishes that flower. See, that, that person, that negative person in your life should be, you know, you should use them as a stepping stone. You should use them to build you up. Just like when it rains, you know, you may have thunderstorms and tornadoes that are spawned out of rain and all that stuff. But at the same time, those flowers are being replenished. The the, the ground is being saturated so the grass can grow. So even through rain, you know, you you get something good out of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: you You know, know,
1: Brian, when we go into the jails and the detention centers and places, it's raining in there. Yeah. It's raining in there, and sometimes, no matter what you say, sometimes it feels like you're not reaching them, but... Because you're there And because you're speaking What God gave you to speak You're actually drying things up These kids are actually the people that we're speaking to They're actually They're, they're getting it now and, and you hear them talking About their dreams When before when we went in They didn't do that But now they're talking about The things that they want to do And what you know What we try to do is to Prepare them for people, for negative people, and prepare them for that rain because that rain is going to come regardless. No matter what you have scheduled for your life, that rain is going to come. And the question is, what will you do when you are faced with the rain? What will you do?
2: You know, what if it didn't rain, though? Have you ever thought about that? If we didn't have rain, what would happen? Hmm. You ever thought about if, if we didn't have water, <laughs> period, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people complain about the rain, and some people embrace the fact that it's actually raining. Mm-hmm. You know, when, and, and when you equate that to life, you know, some people complain about them when they go through negative stuff, and, you know, things happen to them, and, you know, they sit around, oh, why did this happen? Why did that happen? How come that had to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, but what if it didn't happen? To some people, you know, what if Bill Gates had listened to the people when they said, "Why do they? Why would somebody want a personal computer?" You know. Mm-hmm. What if Oprah had listened when they said, "Oh, you old overweight black woman, you'll never make it on TV." You know what if she what if she would have actually listened to those naysayers. Mm-hmm. It would have been a sad time. <laughs> it would have been Definitely. a sad time. You know, Greg, we're going to have a great show tonight. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah. You know, we have a woman of God that, that you know, I've been waiting to talk to. Yes. You know, but also I think the world has been waiting to hear what she has to say. Yes, yes. You know, tonight's show is entitled What If, and our special guest is Miss Stanis Anderson. And she has inspired and encouraged and motivated men and women and children using her God-given gifts. She writes books and articles. She sings. She does spoken word. And she goes into the jails and to, you know, all the anywhere you would have her to go, she goes to those places to speak and to talk to people and encourage them. And, you know, it just warms my heart because there are, somebody, there are some people out there that need it so bad, mm-hmm. and we don't have enough people out there encouraging people. You know, we don't have enough people out there trying to help people. You know, and as I'm reading her information, I, I saw that her ministry is built on the scriptures, Jeremiah 29:11 through 14 and Revelation 12:11, and I love that. Yeah. So, Ms. Dennis, we welcome you to the Abundant Solutions Hour.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
2: <laughs> How you doing, Ms. Anderson?
3: All is well. I'm blessed beyond measure.
2: Yes, you
1: are. <laughs> so are we by having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much. Ms. Anderson, you know, when I read the part where it says that you go into the jails, I was like, okay, yes. Yes, finally somebody that can understand the things that Brian and I do. And, you know, when we first started doing it, it's not for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. It takes a certain type of person. You have to be pretty much called to go in there and minister to the people in there. And one thing I, I learned from doing it is you have to be patient. It is a process. You can't go in there and just change lives uh, the first, on your first visit. So my question to you is, when when you first started going in there, did you feel tired and empty, you know, when you would leave out on your way home?
3: Oh, no. No, uh uh-uh. I I, I felt encouraged and inspired myself because, you know, just to think that um, God would give me that opportunity to open a door for me to be able to go in, and then the bottom line was I could come out of it. You know, um, my story includes uh, overnight in prison anyway. I didn't really do time. You know, my addiction had taken me to the point where I had um, actually done an overnight in jail. And being, you know, an addict having been delivered by God, I know that it's only by the grace of God that I didn't get any time that time. You know, so um, I, I, I guess I feel more at home because, um, for one thing, I was like in my own prison, you know, when I was using it. was a self-inflicted prison. So, you know, me being a captive having been set free, then I, you know, I feel comfortable around other people, you know, that are held captive and hope that they could take something from my life to see that they too can be set free. You know, that Jesus is not a respecter of persons, that God has a plan for their lives because I was where they are. So no, I didn't, I don't feel, dra- As a matter of fact, I feel energized.
4: <laughs>
3: awesome. Yeah, they they yeah. Cuz one thing about speaking and sharing your story, your testimony, cuz that's a revelation's um 12:11 is it says that we are saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So that is how we overcome. The New International Version says, you know, we overcome that way, you know. So it is just you know to to be able to have the opportunity to tell my story is is just is just too cool, you know what I'm saying, yes yeah.
2: yes, we do yeah <laughs> yeah, you know, tell us your story hmm.
3: well, I was actually um a politician's daughter, you know, grew up, my family was a pillar of com- of the community um mm-hmm. you know we we went to church every Sunday and we looked like we were the perfect. Family, You know, people that, you know, that I'm older, people say that they actually envied us, you know. Um, my parents were college educated. It was only two, my myself and my brother Stan. But you didn't know what was going on in my household, you know. First I thought it was like a black thing, you know, where you keep whatever it is you do within the family or whatever's going on. But now that I've traveled, I see it doesn't have anything to do with race. That's just the way it is. That's the way people are. And so if something is going wrong in that family, I mean, you could have a cousin on crack, in and out of jail, but if you ask Aunt Mary how Lou is doing, she'll tell you he's fine. You know, or he's away in college or in the service, anything but what's really going on. So we learn how to keep that stuff inside. And so in my household, my mom had an anger management problem, let's call it that. You know, so I was beat sometimes until she'd fall out. Um, so, but I didn't want to, you know, I couldn't tell anybody. It was my secret. And I say that because that's, for me, and my addiction, it started off with the secrets. Sometimes you see an addict or, you know, somebody um, that, you know, has addictive behaviors or doing something contrary to, you know, whatever is, is accepted or the norm, and you figure, like, you don't look and see the pain that's underneath of all of that, you know. So it started with me, It was the secrets. Then when I was 14 years old, I was raped by three men, you know. So, again, that was another secret. I did not tell anybody that until I was 34 years old. So one thing about secrets, they grow in the dark, but they—but when exposed to the light and the light of Christ, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just dispelled. But, you know, in the meantime, it was like a cancer in my spirit, in my soul, and I was just getting further and further away from the light, you know, from being in church and everything. But the things that were happening and these secrets, it, you know, I started to be in bondage to these secrets. And then when I went away to college, I had a a backwards abortion. And there was another secret, you know. And they tell you sometimes, you know, they tell you that, you know, it's all right, you go do it, you know, you come back, you know, come back to school or whatever. But they don't tell you about the emotional pain that comes with it. They don't tell you that, they didn't tell me anyway, that maybe four or five years from then, that point, I would actually, you know, be wondering, what would, what would my son have been? Uh, was it a girl? Was it a boy? Or when I'd see somebody in the aisle of a grocery store with their children, it's like, oh, that could have been mine, the regret the regrets, I could not live with the regrets and the pain of my past. And so after a while, drugs started to look good because the drugs, I, I it, it numbed me. At least I didn't have to think about my life and the things that had happened and the secrets that I held, you know, and so, you know, I became a heroin addict. And I didn't mean to become, I only meant to wet my feet, Greg and Brian. That's all I meant to do. But like the old whisper song say, it pulled me in. The waters of addiction run real deep, you know. And before I knew it, you know, the things I said I wouldn't do, you know how Paul in the Bible talks about what I do, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. <laughs> that was my life story, you know. And it started out so much Fun and the, 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 the weed and the partying being a hustler's woman, you know what I'm saying, being kept that was all so sweet, but somewhere along the line, it turned on me. I crossed the line and it became a vicious evil. Cycle, trying to get hit after hit after hit, doing things I said I'd never do, stealing, being with men, you know that some I didn't even know, you know. So um, going from 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 just snorting it up my nose to kind of skin popping, you know, and then I could always and I would be with other people that I felt was worse off than me, and that way I could say I'm not that bad. So when I started shooting drugs in my hands, I would be with people that went in their arms, and i say, oh, I'm not that bad. And then when I went to my arms, I would be with people that shot in their necks or groins, and I would say, I'm not that bad. And then when I started having them shoot drugs in me in my neck, I'd be with people, you know, that went in their groin, and i say, oh, but I'm not that bad. But I was. I was in denial, my Life hurt. Everything about my life hurt, you know, and then one day <laughs> I was—I—I I, I actually went to work on a Sunday because I was also a workaholic. Mm-hmm. See, anything but deal with my own life. And I went to work this particular Sunday, and I took some drugs with me that I had stole from my dealer boyfriend, and I locked my door, and I was in that office alone. It was a Sunday. We don't work on Sundays. And I um, proceeded to cook up the heroin in a top, in a soda top, and I knew it looked very yellow, which meant it could have been, you know, kind of pure. But you know what I said? I said, it doesn't matter. This will be a good day to die. Mm. That was how bad I felt. I said, this will be a good day to die. And so I remember, all I remember was hitting red. That's all I remember. And the next thing I remember were, were people beating on my chest, right? And I'm like, what's going on? It was somebody beating me in my chest. And um, I didn't find out later. I didn't find out until later from the paramedics. They t- they ca- The paramedics came to the hospital to see me. Because they could not believe they wanted to meet this woman who kept dying and kept coming back. They said when, I, when they when they found me and they found me only because somebody that works. With me that worked with me at the time was on their way to the uh, uh to Europe, so she stopped by the office to get her her papers and she saw my keys in the door and she knocked on my office door she heard the music so she knew I was in there and when I didn't answer, she called the guards or whatever they got into the room and they found me more dead than alive. I still had the hypodermic needle uh, hanging out my my wrist and they said on the way to the hospital i flatlined and and they would try to you know they did the defibrillator whatever they do they bring me back and i would say real faintly i want to live and then i flatline again and they said they worked and worked and they bring me back and they said i would just say again i want to live And then I flatlined again, and they said they worked so hard, and finally they got a heartbeat, and when I came to, I just said, I want to live. But I didn't know, Greg and Brian, that I wanted to live. God knew evidently there was something deep. That wasn't me that was talking. That had to be the Holy Spirit then because I said it was a good day to die. But deep inside, it's something like, you know, when you have an iceberg and you have, like, you see You know, maybe a mile of ice on the surface, but there are miles and miles and miles of ice under the water that you don't see. And that's where I guess God saw that I wanted to live, and he had the last word because here I am. You know, and then after that, what happened, I met Jesus. No, he met me. I was in my apartment, and I was shooting cocaine and heroin. And I kept saying, one more time, one more time, and I was in the bathroom. My hands were, like, aching because I just kept shooting it in me, shooting it in me. and, and, and I, But I went out to the refrigerator to get some Kool-Aid. And when I went out there on my little 13-inch black-and-white TV set, was the finest man I had seen in my life. Oh, he was gorgeous. He was like half Mexican, half African-American, some Greek. He was beautiful, even in black and white. And that's what drew me to the TV set. And he started talking about, he was talking about his story, about being an addict, being in prison, you know, and all this, you know, the degradation, the humiliation, the loneliness, the despair, the hopelessness, everything I was experiencing at the time he was talking about, but he didn't look like what he was talking about, you know. So it was like interactive TV. I was pulled. I sat in front of the TV, and I said, well, well what did you do? His name was Buddy Baird. I'll never forget it. And he had like a southern accent, and he's, it was like, this was 1985, right? But it was like it was interactive TV, and it's like he heard me. I said, well, what did you do, Buddy, because you look so good. And he said, he said, I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I figured at that point I had tried everything else, moving to other cities, signing myself in the psych wards, you name it. Uh, life Spring, I had tried everything. And so I just turned over on the floor on my mattress, because I was living with a mattress on the floor, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. I said, Jesus, do for me. If you real like Buddy Bed said you are, please do for me what you did for him because I can't keep living like this, you know what I'm saying? And I remember it was like a flood of light in my apartment, you know, and I found myself all those secrets that I had for all those years, it was like I was just regurgitating them up. And I said, oh, Lord, but I was raped. Oh, Lord, I stole this. Oh, Lord, I slept with this person. Oh, Lord, I did what, and you know what I sensed in my spirit? It was like him saying to me, I know, I know, I saw you. I was with you in the pigsty. Why do you think those people when you were 14 stopped beating you when they did? You know, how do you think that woman came through that office when she did? You know, who do you think put the breath in your body there in the ambulance? That was me. You know, I've been waiting for this moment and that I've been clean and sober, let me tell you, one day at a time for 22 years. God did that for me. And if He'll do that for me, He'll do it for anybody or anybody's son. Somebody that's been praying for their child and wondering, when, Lord, when you going to act? Every time they come over, they're still high. Know this. Get, just keep praying. Somebody pray for me. You know, so that's pretty
2: much my story. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I need to ask you any more questions. (laughs) Well, it was a long journey after that. You know, it wasn't like a
3: zap thing. He kind of laid me into the 12-step programs and put people in my life. It was love that lifted me, who helped me believe in myself till I could, you
2: know. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff you can ask me. You know, the thing about your story is that story parallels So many people's lives
4: Mm.
2: I mean just your story I've heard it You know Not the sum total of your story But I've heard different parts of your story From Hundreds of people I I would say Mm. From you know Lots and lots and lots of people Why do you think God gave you a story like that to tell?
3: Mm. I guess because, like you say, there's so many. And and you're right because, like, um, even my book, you know, look, when I started that book, I, I really wasn't even writing a book. I was sending out an email starting in 2000 to friends, to 16 friends, just to share, you know, how you get an email and somebody cut and paste something and send it to you to encourage you and my friends call me on it one thing about friends they'll tell you what you need to hear they said well Stanis you're supposed to be an author now because at that point I had my first book 12 step programs a resource guide for helping professionals so they said why are you sending us other people's stuff but it was those whispers and not so much the whispers of other people I was raining on myself because I figured you know what I'm saying that okay I had that book but that was a fluke you know public they just felt sorry for me or something. I really can't write or anything. So it was my own low self-esteem that was trying to keep me from, you know, moving forward or taking the challenge. But I couldn't sleep that night, and I got up and I said, Lord, one thing about God, He will when the jewelry is off and the makeup is off and it's just you and him, he deals with you, right? He deals with me like that. And it was like, get up out that bed, go into that room, you sit there in front of that computer and write something that I'm going to give you to write. You know what I'm saying? Trust me. You know, and I sat there, and it was like he started showing me uh, my life stories, you know, these testimonies. And I was like, oh, you know, I can't write that down. Oh, my God, I can't. But it was like I had to, and I would cry through it. And, look, God is good. He had me already set up because I was at USA Today which is another story because I started there as a temp. I was a temp's temp, ended up there four and a half years. So he, you know, he placed me around creative folks. You know, he placed me in a place where I had editors all around me, and I gave them my story the next morning, and I said, you know, could you edit it for me? And they were like, oh, yeah, and I sent that out. Do you know? Every night I would come home and I would write these stories and send them out, and I started to get these responses from people because when you get real, you know, other people it gives them the courage, is it, is, it, 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 you know, to to get real and they start sharing their stories with me. Over the course of two months, that 16 people became over 2,000. People were signing up for my email, Food for the Spirit, which I wrote every night. And then after a while, Patrice Gaines, who was a, a reporter for Washington Post at the time, my son, Mike Tucker, and then this other friend, Omi Brown. We've been friends since we were 11. They were telling me, this is this is your book. This is your book. This is your book. And after the third one, they say, you know, people say if it's a horse, saddle up. Well, I ain't going to saddle up the first or second time. But if somebody tell me three times it's a horse, you saddle up. So I was like, Oh my God! So, so Patrice Gaines, you know, how you send emails, you don't know who they going to. It's Mama's cat at AOL dot com or something like that. You don't know who's attached to that. Well, come and find out. Patrice was sending it to her agent, and at the time, it was Denise Stinson, who was a mega agent, who was like TD Jake's agent, Ayala Van Zandt, Pearl Clege, you name them. She had them right. And so Patrice Gaines told me she said, you know. Denise Denson wants to see some more of your work. I said, What do you mean some more of my what were you talking about? She said, she has been getting your emails. I'm like, What? She said, Yeah, I've been them. So she loves your writing. She said she wants you to give her a call. And do you know those whispers of doubt, my whispers? Nobody told me not to call. I was telling myself, why would she want, she doesn't really like my writing. You know what I'm saying? Why would she want me? I'm I'm from Anacostia, D.C. You know what I'm saying? I'm over 40 years old. You know, I think at that point I was over 50. I don't know. Yeah, I was over 50. Why would? And I didn't call her. But I was sitting there at my desk a couple of days later, and the phone rang. I answered the phone, usatoday.com. This is Stan East. And she said, this is Denise Stinson. Didn't Patrice tell you to call me? And look, at first I was like, you know, who do you think you're talking to? I didn't say that, but that was what I was thinking. And I just said, yes. She said, well, I want to see more of your stuff. I love your writing. Send me more. And I sent her, and then a week later I had a contract. She was my agent. Hmm. And it was published by AOL Tom Warner. Walkworthy Press was a Christian imprint of Warner Books. So when God does a thing, I'm telling you, man, all you got to be is on your way. You know, so, you know, what can I say? Awesome. <laughs>
1: you know, awesome. that's
3: why he gave me this story. That's why I know I have to tell him. I have to tell him,
1: you know. Well, you know what? You hear, I talk with a lot of people, Brian and I, we talk with people all over the country. I mean, we're on the phones all the time.
2: Okay. And
1: people are always saying, I have a book. I have a book, but I'm going to wait on the Lord before I start writing this book. Mm. What what would you say to those people?
3: Wow. Well, I would say just sit down. What I do is I sit down like I did that night, and I type on the paper first or write on the paper, show me Lord. And then that way I am inviting him into the process, and if it takes ten minutes, I sit there. But he always gives me something because I'm looking to him you know and just start writing that's powerful just start writing writers write there's a paradigm that i teach my students you know i like teach um writing like private writing sessions and sometimes you know group things and i say uh, the paradigm is unless uh uh, uh you want to uh, you want to write unless you write you don't really want to write You know, the act of of wanting to write is followed by the action of writing. You know, so yeah, you just gotta you just gotta write, and and also you know, um, read read if you read a lot, and then also uh, practice your writing, take classes. You know, to be a good writer, some people just say they want to write but, you know, they can't even construct a sentence, then you need to take some classes, you know, um, or you can also, like, talk into a mic. You don't have to write it. You know, you can just talk and then have somebody type it down, you know. So there's all kind of ways of getting around it, but the thing is just to write.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and our guest tonight is Dennis Aventersen. If you have a comment or a question or if you just want to call and say hello, the calling number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Miss Anderson, mhm. You know, when I listen to your story, I'm I'm just I'm blown away.
4: Mm, thank you. you know,
2: I'm just absolutely blown away because you know, wow. <laughs> I've heard, like I said before, I've heard this story so many times, Mm -hmm. but never have I heard it all come out of one person. (laughs)
4: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: You know, and, you know, it's so appropriate that we named our show What If. Mm. You know, just like you were saying before, what if the men didn't didn't stop beating you?
3: Right, yes, yes.
2: You know, what if. She, you know. Oh, wow!
3: And look, I was actually—I remember going up saying yes to Jesus when I was like, uh, I think we were about nine or ten, maybe eleven years old. Me and my friend Omi Brown. There's some stories in the book, and she's in there too. She, we're still friends. And she said we—we we came out of her diary. Uh, we found her diary about maybe about five years ago, right? And we were looking at it, and and she wrote in, the, in one of the um, in, in one of her entries. She said, and I." I were baptized today and I know it's gonna work on me but I don't know about her. (laughs) So I've always been kinda, you know, special, like the little rambunctious one or whatever. But even then You know, they say train a child up in the way they should go. One thing my mother did, she sent me to Sunday school. She might have beat me on Saturday, but she sent me to Sunday school on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So that word was in me, and evidently God would not let me die. He would let nobody kill me. No weapon formed against me prospered. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Yes, for such a time as this. Amen.
1: Mm. Just imagine Uh, if you would have given up the lives that you've touched thus far, they wouldn't know who Stannis is. The things that you're doing, I I know that you're a singer as well. Yeah. God gave you all these talents. Yeah. You know, and one thing I think about when I was was listening to you, when you said that you were raped when you were a little girl, I started thinking about Oprah. Mm -hmm. I started thinking about the things that she's gone through. And one thing I've learned about life mm-hmm. is you have to share the things that God has delivered you from because you can't really be ashamed of it because God delivered you from it.
3: Mm-hmm. And now
1: that you're delivered, you need to share that with somebody else Right. you never know. Mm-hmm. what another person is going
3: through. Right, comfort as you've been comforted. Actually, um, the, the, the poem that kind of starts out my book, and actually I wrote this poem, something you said about prisons, because I wrote this poem after coming out of speaking at uh, Durham County Jail, mm-hmm. and they have this jail now where you go upstairs, you do your time, you, c- or you, you wait to get your time, then you go downstairs, don't even have to leave the building to see the judge. He give you your time, and you go back upstairs. I'm telling you, this they got it set up for it. Wow. And I went and, and shared my story, and then I came back to the hotel, and I just found myself talking into a tape. And, um, saying this particular poem. And this was like two years before the book came about. And so when they were asking me, the publisher were asking me, did I have something that I wanted to, you know, put in? It was a couple of things I said yeah to. And that was that, um, uh, uh, the Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, and then this particular poem. And, um, and so this is like what I'm about. This is my ministry. And it's called Tell Me. Tell me a story that I have not heard. Lead me to prayer. Give me an encouraging word. Tell me a story that will teach me how to see that God loves and cherishes even me. Tell me a story of God's goodness and power so I won't give up in this next hour. Tell me a story of what he's done for you then maybe i'll believe that he can do the same for me too sometimes i get weary i get weak i feel worn tell me a story so i'll know that it was not by mistake that i was born tell me a story of how god leads the way tell me a story so i can get through one more day Tell me a story so I won't feel alone. Tell me a story of how faith is grown. Does God really work in mysterious ways? Does God care how I spend the hours of my days? Does he love me? Does he care? Will he always be there? Tell me a story because sometimes life just ain't fair. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in a lion's lair. Tell me a story, and please make it true. I need to know God loves me as much as he loves you. Please tell me.
2: Wow, that is deep. (laughs) Amen. Wow.
3: Yeah, so it's our responsibility, really, to share our stories with one another, to keep each other encouraged so somebody will know, you're not alone. I know. I was there. I've been there. We'll get through it together. If God did it for me, he'll do it for you.
2: You know, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what this show is about that 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 poem mm. our show is about okay you know we're out we're, we we want to help people get through mm. what they're going through yeah you know i've heard the saying my pastor says this on occasion he'll say if you're going through hell keep on going mm. <laughs> you know so you can like, come out the other side <laughs> come right out the other side <laughs> don't know? just stop there <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> you're going through hell don't stop mm. you know and Imagine, you know, like Greg was saying earlier, imagine if you would have stopped. You know, I can't imagine, you know, what would have happened if you, if you would have stopped, we wouldn't be talking to you right now.
3: Right. And sometimes you feel, sometimes I feel like stopping. You You know, I really do. (laughs) But, but it's like I could go on one more day. You know, and, and you know, we're talking about this past, I mean, a couple months ago. I mean, it was really getting rough for me. And I'm like, Lord, but you promised, and it's not happening fast enough, or, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, it's been 22 two years. When am I going to turn this corner? I go and I do and whatever, you know, and I was just feeling like, you know, I, I just... I just can't wait another minute. I can't take it. It was so much going on. I had had a um, uh, uh, some kind of, uh, uh, the, the doctors found a lesion in my breast. The, then another doctor said there was like a, 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 a abnormality in my blood. And, and then my car transmission went out. And then, you know what I'm saying, I lost my um, the place where I was living, you know. And it was like so much. And I remember it's real subtle sometimes because we Christians and born again on fire for Jesus. Sometimes with me, it comes real subtle. And what I started to think about how good it would be to be with Jesus right about now. You know, no more tears, no more, you know, pain, no more what-ifs, you know, no more weights, you know. I'll know everything is to be known, you know. You know, so I I scared myself, you know what I mean. I've been trained anyway in the field of addictions or, or just people knowing that when you have thoughts like that, you need to go get some help. You know, and so I actually had to seek counsel because I was not able to pull myself up out of it. And I prayed. I said, "Lord, show me what I should do." You know, um, ended up having to, you know, move in with my son. Praise God! I mean, that's a testimony there because this is the same kid I had abandoned when I was using. And now we've had this incredible relationship for these, like, at least 21 of the 22 years. He showed me in the flesh what unconditional love was, you know, and so here I am. And, it, and you wonder, how, Lord, how did I end up back here? I'm 57 years old. I should be further down the line than I am. But I thank God now that I am here because if I wasn't here, I don't know if I would be here because my grandchildren come downstairs and they say, good morning, Grandma. And I knew that if they, I was not going to let them come down here and find me dead. You know what I'm saying? That I just, I'm not, I didn't want to leave that legacy. Or every time I would get a phone call with some more bad news, one of the little, you know, the twins would be right there, you know, and they would sense me and they'd be like, Grandma, we're winners. We're winners. You know, it was, God would use them. So I'm right where I'm supposed to be and I'm going to rise from here.
1: You know what, Stannis? Why? As you were talking about being raped, mm-hmm. being on the drugs, being homeless, just been on the bottom, somebody had counted you out. Yes. You were left for dead. Yes. They had already walked away. They had pretty much put covered covered you up with the dirt. But because of you not wanting to give up, Right, I can't. God used children to mm-hmm. confirm his word. Yes. If we would just listen. Yes. He's confirming his word every single day, whether yes. we're going through or if we're not going through. So with where you are now, somebody's out there, that's, they're, they're listening, and they're going through right now, and they want to give up. And they're thinking, you know what, it's it's not so bad if I go ahead and lay down and not wake up. Mm-hmm. It's okay if I just go ahead and, and be with the Lord tonight. Mm-hmm. But do you think they really understand that there's work for them to do?
3: Mm. Well, I would give them right now, I'm sensing in my spirit that actually we've talked about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 14, but right now I'm just going to read it. And this is to that person. This is personally from the Lord. God said this. He said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. And that's what I found that He's done for me time and time again. Sometimes you just need a second touch. Remember the ones that I'm not sure exactly who it was. It was out in the in the woods, or, uh, something. And He was like, "What do you see in the Bible?" He said, "What do you see?" He said, "I see trees. It's men look like trees." And then He told He get, Jesus touched him a second time, and he could see clearly. You know, so sometimes we need that second touch and that third touch. And I tell you this, I was determined then. I said, no, enemy, you know, because then I remember, too, who's been trying to count me out for years and years. And I said, oh, no, I am the head and not the foot. Had to get to the point where I had to prophesy to myself, which is why my book is like I say a prayer for me you know I had to go around this house and I had to anoint myself with oil I had to speak life these dry bones walk live you're going to be all right you know what I'm saying I had all that word had to come up in me and when I turned it over and I let it go I let God Lord I don't I'm 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 here now this is where I am you're going to have to do whatever needs to be done I'm all in. You know how you at a card game or something, and you know the, the they just put all in. They watch. They lost all their money. So they put their watch and the, the title of the everything, just push it in the middle of the table. That's what it felt like to me. I'm pushing everything. The plans I have for my life. What I think should be happening, this, my finances, everything, I'm pushing it all in the middle of the table, Lord. I am all in. If you don't do it, it cannot be done. I know you spared me, so you must have plans for my life, and I want your plans now and not mine. You know, and things just started to happen. Do you know? In this past month or so, oh, I've been getting calls. My calendar is just about full. He gave me an idea for get let's get real tour. Because sometimes I sit back and I wait for somebody to call me, and 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 the Lord, he he, he kind of he told me. Well, in my spirit, I felt him saying, "Look, you waiting for somebody to call you? But I've already called you, and I told you to go." You just go, you know what I'm saying? So I put it out to, you know, all my readers, you know, just find a venue, a free venue or something. I'll come. I'll speak. And, you know what I'm saying? And, no, I don't want anybody to have to pay anything. There's no admission. Let's get that up front. No admission. Whoever come, Because if I take care of God's business, he's going to take care of mine. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, I'm in Chicago at the end of the month. I also have a a one-woman show, and that happened after all this happened, you know, walking on water when the ground ain't enough. So out of these ashes, you know what I'm saying? And God has built a thing that, I mean, you know, so I'll be in Chicago at the end of the month. Next month I'll be in Connecticut. You know, um, my Let's Get Real tour starts in December, and that starts in Charlotte, North Carolina. A woman called me today. She said, I don't have a free venue, but it's free to you. I'm paying for it. You know, you just come. You know, I'll take care of everything. I got your back. You know what I'm saying? so doors have just been opening and opening, and I just thank the Lord. Yes, I do. Yeah. Amen. So sometimes you just have to let go and let God, you know what I'm saying? And get real, you know, be real about where you are. Don't be faking. You know,
2: I find that really works. Yeah, yeah. If you're just joining us, and we're late in the hour, but if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have on with us author, singer, songwriter, playwright woman of god with a testimony thank you jesus Dennis anderson and right now miss anderson we're going to go to a caller we have a caller good 718 area code caller are you there
5: uh yes i am here uh, I just hey. want to thank Gregory and you guys. He does a, you guys do a powerful show, and I love when you guys have powerful guests. So I just had to call in and ask Miss Anderson a question. Okay.
3: Oh How sure. How you thank doing, Miss Anderson? I am well. Thank you for calling.
5: Uh, I want to know now. There's a lot of things happen in your life as I was listening to the show.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: When was that time that you had the conversation with God that told you this was your time to do what I want you to do versus what you think? You were here, put here to do. um
3: I guess that was um within this past couple of months when I, you know, when everything was like it almost was like taken away. You know it almost felt like Job, little by little, and it was only at that point when I was in my base, in my son's basement, you know, and that he provided for me. You know what I'm saying? That I had finally just I come to the end of myself, even as a believer. Yes, that's when I heard, the, you know, I, I felt in my heart, I didn't hear anything audible, but it was the word, that word that came up, you know, as far as I called you. I said, go. Remember who was that Elijah they found in a cave? What you doing in the cave? You need to get out. He said, but Lord, they're trying to kill me. The queen said she was going to do to me what she did to whatever, whoever it was, by the end of the day. But God said, look, I'm the one that sent you. Will you get up out of this cave? Send angels to minister to him, remember? And then he he ended up in another cave. God had to go get him again. So, you know, that's been almost the story of my life.
5: So what advice do you give to people that don't believe that they don't have a purpose here because i believe everybody has a purpose
3: oh here. yeah
5: everybody and um you know everybody has a gift you never know what that gift going to be and as i listen to your story i hear you came into who you were as the adversity came into your life which happens to a lot of us when yeah adversity comes it's who you are when things are not going right for yes who you are when you think right what advice do you give to those uh people that don't believe that they have a purpose
3: here I would just say believe what God says. Don't listen to your own whispers of doubt, you know, that will tell you you can't do this or you'll never do. You know, one of the first gifts I found out I had was um, baking pies and cookies. I baked the best chocolate chip peanut butter cookies on earth, I think. And um, and that was like all I you know, when I was first getting cleaned that was all because a lot of my gifts were laying dormant. I hadn't used them in so long and plus I was kinda mad with God to be honest with you that he gave me gifts because I wasn't using them. I'm like, Lord, well, why you keep I couldn't understand why he kept sparing my life. So I spent the first couple of years being mad at God, not understanding, why didn't you let me die? I'm not doing anything. But I started off with cookies. just And I I was, you know, when you first get clean, I was pretty much broke. But I wanted to give my son something, so I baked him cookies. And before you knew it, everybody wanted my cookies, you know. So I started to, you know, say, well, oh, well, if nothing else, you know, I need to stay around, or God has plans for these cookies. So then I started praying over the cookies. You know, and so they, I said, like, these are anointed cookies. So this was something I could do. This was my purpose at the time. And I guess the more, you, I don't know, the more you do, the more you're given to do. When you do step one, you're led to step two. It's like that or something. It's been a steady progression. You know, so yeah, a lot of these gifts and talents he had to resurrect because I didn't believe that you know that he could use me. I, I mean, I was so damaged. You know, even though he saved me, I, did, I, I didn't still didn't understand. I wasn't in touch with that kind of unconditional love. You know, I had been brutalized by men. When I I even had to get with the fact that God was my father. You know, when my own father pretty much abandoned me, so, you know, it was just so much that, um, you know, but, but the thing is just believing God, taking him at his word, because no matter what went on, I knew that God had plans for my life. Dang, dang. And if somebody just looked back over their lives, because I'm sure a lot of put their selves, put their uh, people put themselves in precarious situations, or you've gone to, um, you know, like you've been late to work or something, and you're mad at yourself because you're late to work, but then as you're traveling down the highway, you see a, a wreck that if you'd have been one minute earlier, you would have been in that wreck. You know, know that God has his hand on your life, and so he must want to use your life. He birthed us. We are the will of God. So some, sometimes we're so busy looking for what is the will of God for me. I remember I used to call 700 Club all the time. That was the show I, I saw that, that I gave my life to Christ that night. Buddy Bed was on the 700 Club, and then they end up bringing me on the 700 Club. Just because I sent them a thank you note, they ended up sending a camera crew and did my story. You know, but, um, you know, um, it was, I'm not even sure where I was going with that. All right, well,
5: thank you very much. And, Greg, you guys and Brian, keep up the good work, man. <laughs> I love the <laughs> show. And I, I love, keep, keep, keep doing what you
2: <laughs> Thanks do Thanks for calling. All
5: right, so you much. guys have a wonderful show.
2: Thank you. You too, thank you. Bye. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like,
3: where was I going with that? See, I had a senior moment. <laughs> But it's all
2: good because, you know, like you, like, we've, like we've been saying all night, once you start to share, you know, I have a saying, once you start to share, mm-hmm. it shows you care. You okay. know, and it shows that you have a love for people because you're not afraid to reveal things that most people would say, man, I'm not telling nobody. That. Right, right. You think I'm going to tell somebody that I used to smoke and they don't know? Right. That I used to um, shoot. Heroin and my groin and Right Nobody's going to come out and tell that stuff to you Or say those things You think I'm going to tell somebody that I've been raped and molested mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, and that my mama used to beat the crap out of me Right You know, most people aren't willing to reveal that But it's through pain and struggle that we find our inner peace You know, and, and it's sad to say that But sometimes you have to go through something You know for something to go through you mm. Sometimes God got to put you in a situation To get you know He got he to put something in you to get something out of you mm. You know And so you know When you're going through those things When when people are going through that What would you what What advice would you give To the person that Whose life Mirrors your life And But they haven't gotten to the point Where you are now they're still at that stage of, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm on crack, or, mm. oh, my God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a drug addict, or, mm. oh, my God, I've been molested. What do I do? You know, because what I truly believe is we still have people out there who still haven't come to grips with that and overcome that particular situation. Oh, right, yeah, no question. They were seven, eight, nine years old. You know, they still haven't gotten over that. What what would you say to that person if they said, okay, I'm, I'm at the point where I want to get over that. What do I do?
3: I, I would say first call out to God. I mean, that's what I did. I called I There was nowhere else to go. You know what I'm saying? I had burned all my bridges. I was alone. I was desperate. I was sick and tired of myself. And so it being in that state, I cried out to God, and I think that's where, you know, the testimonies come in, because if I hadn't seen uh, um, Billy Baird's testimony – that night because it mirrored mine he was talking about they showed a scene where he was going over because you know how 700 club kind of dramatizes the stories and they showed a scene where he was going over to a window shooting heroin into his neck and all of a sudden it wasn't him anymore i saw myself because at first i was in denial even though it was that bad I was still in denial because I was a politician's daughter and I had been in this place and I knew these people or whatever, you know, but the truth, God broke through. You know, and, and, and showed me that there was a need that I felt guilty because I was guilty and that, and he showed me that Jesus had paid the price for that and that he would restore me to a right relationship with God if I just asked him to come into my life to forgive me, to let him know I made such a mess of my life. Please help me, do for me what you did for Stan East. I even remember telling a woman, I said, look, if, you don't, if you're not sure there's a God, I t- do this tonight. Get on your knees and say, if you're real, if, you're, if, you, if you are God, you know what I'm saying, then just show me you know, because that woman standing said that, that you're real and that you love me and that you have plans for my life. Please show me and make it so clear to me that even a fool like me will understand. And I tell you this, he will do it. I saw this girl, the same woman I had told this to once before and I, you know, I didn't think any more of it. I had spoken and she saw me maybe five or six years later and she was like, oh, I need to tell you, you know, I did that prayer and that night it was like electricity went through her body when she found Set down and did that and she said it was like a warm peace that came over and she said she just wept and she just felt like the love of Christ is something just pouring all over, pouring over her and so she had been you know, saved and on fire for Jesus ever since, so I, you know, that's what I say, you know say say that prayer tonight and see what happens you know what I'm
0: saying
3: Jesus is waiting, he's been knocking at the door You know, and finally, you know, I just said, come on in. Come on in. I can't do it anymore. You know, yeah, help me.
1: What about that person that's thinking about doing something crazy right this moment?
3: Please don't. Don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens.
1: Hmm.
3: Please don't. I love you. Greg and Brian love you. Jesus loves you more they're
1: listening they're listening to you, yes, they can't abort their purpose so important no, it's so important, yes, if you would have did that, mhm, my, mm. my God,, yes, amen. I wouldn't be here
3: right now. Actually, there's a prayer that ends the book. And my, my friend Omi always tells me, read that prayer if you can. And it says, Dear Heavenly Father, because in the book there's a story and then there's a, a, a segue to pull it into your own life and then we pray together and the word. These are true stories from my life. And it says, Dear Heavenly Father, what is in my hand that can be used for your glory? Assign to me the gifts that you prepared in advance that I should bring to the world. Please forgive my selfishness in not using them to your glory and my lack of belief that I even have gifts that you can use. I know so little, but I'm going to love you so much that I'm compelled to come before you today, offering myself and all you've created me to be. Let my light so shine that people may see my good works and glorify you in heaven. Thank you for providing whatever it is that I need to go to the next level in my relationship with you and the world around me. In Jesus'
2: name, amen. So be it. Amen, amen. Amen. So, Miss Anderson, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, you know, to get information on your book, or maybe to have you come and speak. How would they do this? Um, they could go to my website,
3: which is www and the key is spelling it right, I guess. Which is S as in Sam, T as in tremendous, A N as in nice, I C as in cat, E as in enthusiastic. dot com. You can also send me an email. Please share your stories with me. Sharing stories are contagious and my email is stanis at stanis.com also my son um, is my booking agent his, and his email address is mike at stanis.com and his number is 202 487 6453 which is also 487 mike that's 202 487 mike
2: All right, well, we thank you again. Yes, we do.
3: Thank you for having me. God bless you. May God's extreme favor saturate your life and everybody that's listening right now. Every area of their lives, your lives, blessed beyond measure. In Jesus' name I ask
2: this. Amen. 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 And with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. We thank you, and God bless.